he just happened to go. And as he was preaching his sermon, he was about halfway through, his wife started looking at him. He was standing behind the pulpit and just preaching his heart out. His wife started looking at him from the front row and, and just pointing at him. Pointing at him. And he's trying to continue preaching, but he's trying to pay attention. He sees that she's mouthing, you're a zipper. You're a zipper. Because when he would step aside the pulpit and he would drag his legs apart, his zipper would open up because he didn't zip it up all the way. And so he finally figured out what it was and he said, let's pray. While everybody turned their heads and closed their eyes, he turned around and he got it taken care of and he ended his prayer and said, I just felt the Lord was telling me to say that prayer. Well, he went on preaching a little bit more strong and heavy and he stepped out from the side and his wife again was going like this. But she wasn't saying zipper this time. She was looking at him saying, your tie, your tie, it's in your zipper. <laughs> he said, I feel something coming over me again, let's pray again. I like that because if anything could happen... It would probably happen to me like that. Oh, my. In fact, let me go ahead and tell you another story. That same guy told a story. He said uh, this was absolutely true. He, uh, I don't know if you all have heard of Dennis Swanberg before or not. Probably one of my favorite comedians. He's a Christian comedian. He used to be a pastor for years. And Again, if anything could happen to anybody, it would happen to him. And uh, He said that they were new in a community. And uh, they were getting ready to go to their first luncheon at church. You know, they, it was a big Sunday where they were going to go through service and have the luncheon afterward and meet all the people for the first time. And uh, his wife had bought this new dress, and she was having trouble getting it zipped up in the back because it was getting caught. And she asked Dennis, said, would you help me zip it up? And he said, sure. Well, like the good husband he was, while he was behind her, he was playing with it. Up and down. She said, cut that out. And about the time he, she said that, it broke. And she was all upset. She was all upset. So they found a, a, a straight pin or, or, a, or a, a baby uh, pin or whatever you, you use. And, and she, they pinned it up in the back so that it would at least hold itself together. And you have to know they were in Texas and it was the middle of July. And she decided to put a shawl on. Because she needed to wear this dress. It was really the only thing she really had, the only thing she wanted to wear. So she found a shawl to wear over herself in the middle of July. And she said, and they said all during the lunch, people were coming up to her commenting on how beautiful her dress was and, and asking about the shawl. And she's like, oh, it's my grandmother's, you know. She, uh, I promised her I'd wear it every time we go to a new church, no matter what time of year it was, you know, just really laying it on thick. And, uh, and she was mad when she got home. I mean, she didn't forget this. I mean, for several weeks, this was just on her mind, upset her husband for messing this whole thing up for her because she just had to have her outfit just so. Well, one day she came home and noticed that there were two feet sticking out underneath the, underneath the car. i got to keep myself from laughing, but anyway. There was two feet sticking out from underneath of their car just to working away on it, so she decided she was going to get back at him, so she... She goes over the car and leans over and grabs his zipper and zip, 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 back and forth. Didn't hear nothing out of him, so she went in the house, and when she went in the house, she heard the TV on in the den. So she thought she'd go and cut it off. Well, she walks around the corner and screams, ah! He's like, what, what, what's wrong? What's wrong, honey? She said, who's that outside under the car? Is it not you? And he said, well, I'm sitting right here. She said, you don't understand, I thought it was you, and I went down and started playing with the zipper. 
Ended up being a man who lived next door who was a member of the church that they went to. And so he went outside to see what she knew, and he got up underneath the car, and he's just, he's just kind of sitting by the car rubbing his head, and he said, he said, uh, what happened to you? Just pretending like didn't know anything was going on. He said, well, I was just working on your car for you, and all of a sudden, somebody came up and started playing with my zipper. <laughs> he said, it scared me so much, startled me so much, I just leaned up and banged my head under the car and knocked myself out. He said, did you happen to see who it was he seen? He thought to himself, oh, no, no, I think it was some Presbyterian woman down the street. Yeah, She's been doing that to everybody here lately. I thought that was great. I think that's great. Y'all need to go home and look him up. He is, he is funny. And again, most of his stories from ministry are true. Oh, it's good to see you all this morning. It's good to be back here uh, with you. Uh, for those of you who have been praying for my father, I want to say thank you very much um, because he is so much better. Uh, we've been through this before, but we believe through prayer that God uh, made the condition a lot less intense and uh, it was a little bit easier this time to walk through it than the last. And we know that's because God uh, made a way for him to, to be healed. And uh, so he's, uh, his blood clots are not in critical condition anymore, and he's uh, undergoing treatment. He'll be on blood thinners the rest of his life, but in comparison to the alternative, that's okay. And, uh, and I appreciate your prayers, all your, your texts, your Facebook messages, everything that you've sent my family my way. Uh, not only have I felt loved, but my father made me mention specifically several times Please tell your church family that I'm very thankful for their prayers. And so uh, we, we are. It, uh, God's grace got us through it. and We'll wait for the next hurdle because that's what life always does. But in the meantime, it's nice to rest and know assuredly that, uh, that God gives peace, even in the midst of the storm. Well, as we get started this morning, as we study together, what I believe uh, is going to be another uh, series that that I, I think will hopefully be thought-provoking for us and encouraging uh, in these days that we live. Let's ask God to not only bless this sermon this morning, but this series that we're undergoing together. Would you pray? Uh, Father, thank you for bringing us here into your house to worship and to praise you, to give you glory and honor for what you've done, Lord, for what you've still yet to do. I ask, Father, that you just hear our prayer now of your children who are waiting in anticipation of what you would have to say to them. That you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds to receive what it is that you would have to give us. That way we might live more devoted lives to you. That, Lord, you would bring comfort in our lives where we need it, but also conviction as well where it is necessary. Father, we want to be drawn closer to you. We know adherence to your word will do that. So, Father... We open up, may the meditations of my mouth flow from my heart that is filled with you, Father, that we all might receive something that's not of, of my mind, but of your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please, open up your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. Uh, we'll begin in verse 1. Uh, if you'd like, you can look at the bulletin, or it'll be on the screen there for you. Uh, Brother William, if you'll follow along with me there. Thank you. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, beginning in verse 1 and reading through verse 11. reads like this. 
Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. And if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, He appeared also to me as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. In preparing for this sermon, I googled examples of good news. That's what I put in, examples of good news. And the first result that came up was 100 examples of genuine good news in a mostly awesome world. I thought that was kind of an interesting title myself. 100 examples of genuine good news in a mostly awesome world. Well, I figured with a title like that, I definitely needed to read a little bit about this. So I'm not going to read all 100 examples. Thank you, Jesus, right? I'm not going to read all 100 examples, but I would like to read the first 10. Uh, And here they are. Number one, a Nigerian boy solves a 30-year-old math equation, and he is recognized by a Japanese university. Monsanto, which is a research and development department, will close three of its facilities. We are now making a difference. A woman broken down on the highway meets an angel. Rosa Parks has been honored with a reserved front seat on Texas buses. Number five, a little boy gave his sister bone marrow even though he thought it might kill him. A city, number six, is letting people pay parking fines with canned goods for the hungry. Number seven, an 18-year-old grandson took his grandma to the prom. Number eight, a janitor and cook turned from workers to volunteers of a senior center after it closed to take care of the elderly. Number nine, Swipe Right for Peace is a dating app that was developed for conflict resolution. Number ten, the movie Human, that's the title, shows forth the beauty of diversity. Now, I don't know much about these things and really didn't, didn't take time to read a whole lot of them. Some of them, you know, kind of make you really start to think a little, uh, but others just sound sort of, well, whatever, you know, it, it just whatever. 
I don't know how it made, you know, you think to yourself, I don't know how it made the top 10 of the top 100, but, but whatever. But I need to ask, uh, are these things all really good news? Yeah, that's what the title says. Are these things in the grand perspective, do we really consider them all good news? Well, depending upon who you are, maybe. Depending upon your interest, where you are in life, maybe. Depending upon your perspective, maybe. Maybe these things are good news. Now, I think personally that these things are all nice to hear of and to hear about from time to time, but after this morning, after we leave this place, do you think you're going to remember even one of these ten things I might have mentioned? Possibly. These one of many good news items. What about two? Maybe, but the chances are getting slimmer. What about three? Probably not. Probably not. Maybe not even, I would like to surmise, maybe not even remember the, the first one of any of them. Now, over the next few days, will any of these ten things that I've mentioned bring us joy all the days of our life when we think about them? We call it good news, but is it going to bring us joy all the days of our lives when we think about them? Will any of these pieces of good news cause peace to overcome our being when we are seemingly inconsolable? Will any of these items of good news, will, will they be able to comfort us when we feel all alone at the end of our rope, wondering who's hanging on on the other end of it? Will these items bring us, these good news pieces, will they bring us comfort at the end of our rope? Will any of these pieces of good news save us from our seemingly dead-end roads? The answer is, is, as long as the good news is of this world, well, no. It'll bring a little delight, maybe a smile to our face, possibly a smirk or even a chuckle, but as long as this good news is of this world, it won't satisfy, but merely maybe for a few seconds, or as long as we talk to someone about it. Because you see, to deeply satisfy the longings of our soul, we need good news that far transcends this place. We need good news that far transcends our struggles, and we need good news that transcends even our very own lives. Yes, church, we need a joy, we need a hope, we need a comfort, we need a peace, and we need a good news that satisfies our longings indefinitely, and then in a longing that can be satisfied by something that is too memorable to forget. We're not going to remember these little pieces of headlines for the long haul. So we need something from outside of ourselves, outside of, outside of this world even, that can satisfy indefinitely, that we shall not forget. Church, I'd like to tell you this morning, I think what we, we really need, and it didn't put it in there, <laughs> that's okay, what we really need is the gospel. What we really need is the gospel, which by very definition is good news. The gospel by very definition is good news. 
That is how it is defined. That is how it is interpreted from the original language. But gospel is even more specific than that. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Someone who was made of this world, but is, who is not of this world. And he is too memorable to forget. So many people today believe in various aspects of the faith that we as Christians claim, but they do not subscribe to it all. For example, many people want to believe in heaven, but they do not follow the Christ who is the way to heaven and the gateway to the Father. They believe in one aspect, but not the other. Many people pray when there are problems in their lives, as you've always heard it. I think I'll continue to hear it till the day I die. There are no atheists in foxholes. You ever heard that? You know, we pray... When there are problems in our lives, many people pray when there are deep problems in their lives, no matter what religion, what faith that they claim, if they claim any. But yet, on the other days, they never darken the door of the Lord if they've even accepted Christ at all. But you see, just as a thirsty man on a hot day, a drop of water will not satisfy No, only the whole glass will satisfy a longing and thirsty soul. In fact, to a needing and thirsty woman who sought to satisfy herself by the ways, things, and people of this world, Jesus said that everyone who drinks this water, speaking spiritually, everyone who drinks this water of this world will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Church, Jesus is the gospel. Jesus Christ is the good news. And the good news is His coming, His living, and His dying, and the everlasting life eternal that He provides to us through it all, free from sin forever with God. This is the only thing that can eternally satisfy a person as well as satisfy us in our deepest longings on the worst days of our life as we live. Again, let me read a bit from this passage, verses 3 through 5 of what we've already read. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, and then to the twelve. For Paul, this is what he says is of first importance. The most important message that he could tell anybody, the most important thing he could tell anyone in his life and even in the world. He would not only preach this the very first time he would go into a city, but any time he encountered anyone, as the Scriptures say, when he would walk up to people, when he would speak to people, this is the message that he told them. He was not ashamed of the Gospel. He would tell them of Jesus this message of first importance in his heart and in his life, this message of first importance to the world. 
To Paul, Jesus wasn't just included in the good news of the world. He wasn't just included in daily headlines. No, Jesus was the definition of good news. He was, and He still is, the gospel. And He would talk to people again about Jesus first. Could you imagine going up to somebody and talking about Jesus first after you shake their hand and get to know their name? How many times have we reached out to give somebody a high five who's wearing a team shirt that we support? Don't even know who they are. Get excited beside somebody at the game that we've never even met and start talking to them about the game. How many times have we gone to, to parties where, where a sporting event is on and, and there's nothing that really draws us together other than that? We talk intently about that even though we've, we have never met those people before. But yet, what about Jesus? And it's convicting for me too. Because I don't just go up to everybody and just start talking about the gospel. But Paul believed that this is what we should do. This message of first importance, when he meets anybody for the first time, he's going up to them and he's telling them about Jesus, whether they want to hear it or not. Now, I'm not saying we should be pushy. I'm not saying we should be rude. But we need to give everybody a chance at the gospel and be just as excited about it as Paul was and as we should be, just like we are when our team goes to the Final Four and they win it. Kind of makes us think, doesn't it? You see, church, this is, is why Jesus is so important. He is the good news. He is the gospel. Without Jesus in life, is like someone pushing a wheelbarrow without a tire. Without Jesus in this life, it's like a man or a woman digging a hole with a shovel that has no handle. Life without Jesus is like somebody trying to plow a field with a tractor that has no engine. It's tough, isn't it? I think we can argue that the work could be done right? But how long would it take us? Imagine going up to a tree with an axe that had no edge on it and trying to chop it down. You could probably do some good. You could probably make a little headway. But how long would it take you and how much would you be hurting? How much would you be complaining? How much would you be whining about the work that could have been done more effectively if you had a better tool for it. Think about our lives in that perspective. Think about the lives of people around us who are pushing a wheelbarrow with no tire, trying to cut down a tree with an axe that has no edge, trying to dig a hole with a shovel that has no handle. They are frustrated. They are confused. They obviously don't know that there's anything better out there. They're just working with what they've got. Until somebody comes along, puts a tire on their wheelbarrow. Until someone comes along and puts an edge on their axe. Until someone comes along and puts a handle in their shovel. They need help. 
think about people's lives without Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here today thinking about your life without Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here today thinking about your daughter or your grandson or your son or your granddaughter or your great-grandchildren or a friend or a brother or a sister or a neighbor who is living life without Jesus. Think about how difficult that life is. There is a longing deep within them that needs to be satisfied, but they just don't know how to satisfy themselves. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis in his book, uh, Great Work, Mere Christianity. He said, the Christian says that creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing for them as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. If I find inside myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were not meant to satisfy it, but to simply arouse it to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on the one hand never to despise or to be unthankful for those earthly blessings, and on the other hand never to mistake them for something else of which they are only a kind of copy or an echo or a mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find until after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of my life to press on to that country and to help others do the same. The Apostle Peter felt the very same way when he encouraged the Philippian church from his own experience with these words. Oh, there's those slides. How did they get there? Oh, well. <laughs> it's probably me. But this is the words from Philippians. Listen to these. I know you've heard them before, but sometimes things just have greater significance when heard again. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. No, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Church, this is the gospel. Let me read it one more time. It's not overly profound. It's extremely simple. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, 
becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of that which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul feels that all things in this world, if it's only of the world, is in vain, useless, and it's vile. Utter rubbish, garbage, a total loss is what he says compared to knowing Christ who is the good news of this world and beyond. Unlike the good news that crosses the headlines of the newspapers, the television screens, and Facebook one day, and then it's gone the next, this good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is enduring because of one particular reason. Christ is enduring. His message will not be forgotten. It cannot be wiped away with time. God's Word stands, the Gospel stands, because Christ is still on the throne, seated at the right hand of God Almighty, His Father Himself. The Gospel will stand forever, and it will stand on its own. Because Christ doesn't need our help. He self-resurrected from the dead. You know anybody else who's raised himself up from the dead? You know anybody, let me know. I'd like to meet them. Because the Bible says that Christ is the only one who's ever been able to do that and the only one who will be ever, ever able to do that. God's Word stands because Christ is enduring. This good news, when accepted, when it's remembered, and when it's pondered on, brings forth fruit in a person's life, such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love this next line. There is no law against these things. There is no law against these things. In this world, people seek to comfort themselves in many ways through many things such as substance abuse, relationships, sex, pornography, food. People even try to comfort themselves in anger, blame, and resentment. And on and on and on, the list can go. Many of these things on their own lead to not only broken laws of man, but broken laws of God. And others lead to something, a condition that's rather prolonged in someone's life. Even though for a moment it satisfies, it has to be gone back to again to seek further fulfillment. And then it takes more and more and more to reach that same level of original satisfaction. More drugs, more alcohol, more relationships, more anger, more resentment, more blame. Whatever it is, it takes more and more and more to be satisfied because it is of this world. It seems good for a while, but it doesn't stay good long. It has an expiration date. But God's good news does not run out. Even if one thing of Jesus is remembered and pondered on, His presence in the form of His Holy Spirit fills our lives as He gives us everything we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. 
We don't have to keep running back to some dealer. We can run to God. And He pours out the same measure that He has before and He'll continue to do until we are firmly seated and planted in heaven's courtyard. And the wonderful thing about all these things, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, love, self-control, there is no law against any of these things. You can have as much of this, you can overdose on these things if you want to, and guess what? If they're found in God, everybody else is going to be happy about it. Because you're an easier person to deal with. You're a more comfortable person to deal with. They feel comfortable coming to you and being around you. They feel like you are someone who's got yourself together, and we tell them it's not about what we've done, it's all about what God has done. That's the good news, that God did for us what we could not that Jesus Christ came, He lived, He died, and He rose again. Actions that we had no control over, but we wonderfully benefit from. And because He is in our heart and He is in our life, whenever we need joy, He'll give it. Whenever we're in a situation where peace is necessary because we're unconsolable, if we ask because of Jesus Christ, we can get it. If we need some sort of self-control because we're just about to run out at our wit's end and we're just one inch away from cracking all two pieces, He promises that He will give it. Church, these things are gifts of God all when pondered upon the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the most important message that's ever been told. Again, that message of Christ living, Him dying, in Him rising again, that we might truly know satisfaction both now and forever. The question is, do you believe this good news? Do you yourself today believe this good news? If you walk out of this place needing comfort, peace, strength, help and hope in life, do you know where you can go and find it? Do you know who you can find it in? Do you know how it will come about? Do you know how to find peace in the midst of your storms? What good news is going to replace the terrible things going on in your heart and your life? If it's anything less than Jesus Christ, it ain't going to work. Again, do you believe this good news, this gospel of Jesus Christ? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for bringing us here today and gathering us in your house to worship and to praise you. And I pray now, Lord, that you just speak into the lives of each of one of us. <laughs> And Father, if we need consoling because of troubles and trials in this life, pour out that good news again. That good news of Jesus Christ and the wonderful blessings that come from being one of His and that Spirit living and dwelling inside of us. Father, pour out that good news to someone who needs to be reminded of it. Father, if there is someone in this place who has never accepted the gospel and they're working like a man without a handle for his shovel, Father, speak into their life. Impart upon them the need to know your gospel, your good news. Father, if someone is praying for someone else to accept the gospel, 
praying that it will change their life. Lord, hear their prayers today. Father, speak to us through Jesus and His Spirit that we might be comforted again by that good news that is just impossible to forget. Thank you for Christ who lived, who died, and who rose again that we might be free. It's in His name I pray. Amen. If you have never accepted the Gospel, will you come today? Will you accept Jesus Christ, accept His living, His dying, and His resurrection so that you might become full of His Gospel, His resurrection power that not only provides life for eternity, but it provides abundant life today. Would you come today? Give your life to Him. Ask Him to come and fill your being. Commit yourself to baptism and to walk in newness of life. Will that be you today? Well, maybe you are struggling. You know the Gospel, but yet something is just having a hard time in your life letting go of the trouble and trial that's there and Jesus just hasn't come in and taken His place yet. Will you come and offer that to Him today? Will you come and just say, I turn it loose Lord, I want to replace these things in my life again with Your Gospel, with Your good news, with the fruits of Your Spirit. Will You come today? If you're praying for someone who you know needs to accept the Gospel, for someone who has not yet given their heart and life to Him, still come, still pray. Let the Lord hear from you this day. Church, the Gospel is the most important message that anyone can accept, and it's found in this book. It is found in God's Holy Word. And any time this book is open and activated in our lives, a blessing will be poured out. Please pray for those people that are close to you that need to accept the gospel because God has said that He can do wonderful things when His people pray. I offer an invitation to anyone who accepts it this morning as we stand and we sing. Daily, I surrender all. 